0: Good morning, bench warmers. It's Bonus Friday once again. We went a whole two months without giving you a bonus episode, and now you got two within the month. This one is going to be very special. If you are listening to this on the Far End of the Bench podcast feed, it is also available on the Top of the Mountain podcast feed, Uh, my RMAC football podcast that I do in the falls. Uh, I am interviewing today. Our guest for this bonus Friday is none other than my former teammate at Western Colorado University. Right now, NFL prospect getting ready for the CSU Pueblo Pro Day. Will Lytle, former defensive lineman for the Western Colorado Mountaineers and Super Region 4 Defensive Player of the Year in NCAA Division II football. Will jumps on and we have about an hour with him talking about his time getting to Western Colorado, his time uh, after the pandemic and coming back for that final season and finally winning the first conference championship since 1997 for Western Colorado. So great interview with him. Be sure to be following Will. If you're a fan of Armac football, he is going to be performing at the CSU Pueblo Thunderwolves Pro Day. And he does ha- I think that he has a very good shot of making it at the next level. So hopefully you guys enjoy the interview. Follow him at Will Lytle. That's L-Y-D-L-E for his last name on all of his social medias. And uh, at some point, we'll hopefully be able to say we heard him win on the Far End of the Bench podcast. But that's what's coming up for this bonus episode Friday. We'll be back next Wednesday for another Ride in the Pine. And uh, March Madness is coming up soon. So get in on the Bracket Challenge. It's pinned to our social media at F-E-O-T-B pod. Without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's get into Will Lytle, former Western Colorado University Mountaineer defensive lineman. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, special bonus Friday edition of the Far End of the Bench podcast. This will also be available on the Top of the Mountain podcast feed, and we are joined by a very special guest. We are welcoming on 2021 RMAC and Super Region 4 Defensive Player of the Year, Cliff Harris Award finalist, two-time first-team RMAC player, Mountaineer of the Year, and 2021 RMAC champion, formerly for Western Colorado University, Will Lytle. Thank you very much for joining us, coming on, uh, taking a little bit of a break out outside of your training. I know that you're uh, doing some hard work over there to try and make it to the next level, but we appreciate you coming on and, and jumping on the podcast here.
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate you bringing me out, man.
0: All right, so uh, it, it's kind of – I was going through and making that intro. We obviously played together up at Western for uh, – I was there until 2020, um, and, and then I graduated. You obviously stayed – through but uh of of all those accolades that i listed off what one is probably your favorite that you've accomplished which one do you kind of hold dear nearest and dearest to your heart
1: dude honestly probably a mountaineer of the year i mean that has to be it because that's the one that like you know all all your teammates vote on
0: yeah yeah
1: so you know that's, that's that's all the that's the that's the most important one for sure because I was honestly surprised that I won that because I voted for other, I voted for another person. I mean, who votes, for, no one votes for themselves, you know? Yeah. So like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I voted for someone else because I, I thought like uh, there's definitely other people more, more deserving, but that's, that's probably the one that I liked the
0: most. You know, of the, of the guys that it, it was tough for our class. I, I remember talking to a few people about it, but there weren't a ton of people that really stuck around for a while and, it makes sense for you to win Mountain of the Year because I think about the guys, especially from that class. I'd say you and Lane probably more than anybody set the example for, you know, offseason workouts and stuff like that. But then also in season, you guys were busting your ass. There was never a, a dull moment. So you may have been surprised, but it's not surprising for any for myself or anybody that played with you. Uh, that you did end up winning that award. But like you said, that was I figured that might be the, the case. Uh, I know that conference championship was nice, and I'm sure it's getting the ring finally was a weight off your shoulders. But the Mountaineer of the Year, uh, if you played in that program while they've been giving out that award, that's pretty much what you sweat through winter, winter conditioning workouts at 5.30 in the morning and fall camp practices where we're doing equalizers and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely something to, to hang your hat on. Um, and and congrats to you for, for being able to win that award. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So let's go back kind of, and we'll go, I want to talk a little bit about your high school career uh, before we get into college and and now transitioning, trying, trying to train for the NFL, but you went to Cedar park high school. Kind of give us an explanation. What was Texas high school football like for you, especially for somebody who wouldn't have been able to experience it uh, as a player in that region. Um, you know, so in, in Texas,
1: it's just like, it's super serious, obviously. So like, you know, we, I think, I think it starts in middle school. Like that's when you get like there's seventh grade middle school football. No one does like club really, because it's like the middle school is like almost the introductory program to high school usually. So usually like you're running basic high school stuff in middle school. And then once you get to high school, it's like you have like your own period for football. So you have like a football period every day for like an hour, hour and a half. And then like, we'd always go in the morning around 6am. It was like, we definitely did a lot of stuff, I think, than more programs. It's kind of of wild to think about, you know, how much stuff you did in high school, because they start you at like, you got practice, you got meetings at like 530. And then you got practice at six. And then you got school at 830. But practice ends at eight o'clock so then you go to school from 8 30 to 11 and then you got football from 11 to 12 30 and then it's like like I think lunch is like an hour then you go back to school for three more hours and you got football after school for two more hours so it's like it's, it's it's a pretty hefty schedule man yeah like it was it was pretty wild because like I know a lot of places in Colorado at least they don't have like football
0: periods and then like practice isn't nearly as long yeah, there's a lot of places, a lot of high schools in Colorado that actually have to like maneuver kids to get just a weightlifting period. Like I, I, the high school that I went to, we were placed into what was called advanced fitness, but it was pretty much just football players getting a lift in for 45 minutes, but that was it. Really? That was, like, the extent of our extracurricular activities for practice.
1: Yeah. So like we had, I remember in our off season weight group, we had like we had like a, man. it was a mandatory, you know, like mandatory, like you're you don't have to go, but you're, you're going to get yelled at, you're going to get in trouble if you're not there. Yeah. So like, so we'd have that at like, what, seven, six 30, something like that. And then like, we'd come back and lift in the afternoon. <laughs> and then like, they were like, you need to play a second sport. So everyone played a second sport. So then like I'd be done with school then I'd go to soccer or like some kids would go to track. So that was like yeah. Your your
0: second sport was soccer? Yeah. Why did you choose soccer as your second sport?
1: Because I liked playing soccer and I just didn't want to do track.
0: Yeah but between soccer and track I could see where I thought you'd be a thrower on the on the track team. No I I didn't
1: really like throwing. I think like Cause dude, like I did throwing in middle school and then I stopped cause I just didn't like it cause I wanted to go to soccer. So I ended up going to the soccer team and I was like, I thought that was way more fun cause I just grew up playing soccer.
0: That's a missed opportunity for your high school's throwing coach to get just a massive humanity on your team that could just chuck a rock
1: 45 well, I, feet. I
0: think, I think soccer helped me way more football if I'm being honest. No, that's, that is true. Like you you had the endurance that you never really stopped and you never had to take the the big deep breaths that get some defensive lineman in trouble so your your high school was insane was cedar is cedar park what classification is that is that the highest or is it uh...
1: they they were second highest but we won state my senior year my freshman year and we were runner-ups my junior year but <laughs> Yeah, Is there was, anybody it, yeah.
0: of note that you would have played with or, or against that you can think of off the top of your head, like anybody that went on to have a ton of success?
1: Oh, like there's probably a lot of people that I like played against that might have gone to the NFL that I just don't remember, if I'm being honest. Because, like, yeah. for example, like I played against Sam Ellinger, who was the sharding quarterback at UT for a while, mm. and now he's in the NFL, and I can't – that's one of the more notable guys – but then I played with uh, – Jav Gidry was on my team. And he was a corner, and he plays for the Jets now. But, I know that
0: Garrett Wilson was from – Oh, he's from Garrett Texas Wilson well. was
1: from uh, Lake Travis. I never got to play against him because uh, we never played against Lake Travis. But, yeah. so I remember him, and then, yeah, I'm trying to think any other people. I'm sure there's a lot more people, but I never remembered them.
0: Yeah, it's a different feeling – like thinking about it from just my perspective, if you would remember the people that went on to have high success at like the D one or NFL level, because they're not as common, but at Texas, you can pretty much walk down the street and go to any high school football game and probably find somebody who's going to have a shot at the next level.
1: Yeah. Cause I remember like, what's crazy to think about was when I was in eighth grade we were, I think I went to go watch like a Cedar Park game and we had some offensive tackle who was an All-American in high school. And he went to go play at Baylor and then he went to the Browns. And it's like, you know, being in eighth or seventh grade, I wasn't aware of that stuff. So like, and then also in the same game, they're playing Lake Travis and Lake Travis had like Baker Mayfield on that field. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's it's insane the kind of talent level that you just stumble across in Texas. So uh, when you get there, did you play a, a ton throughout your college career? I know in Texas, it's, it's a lot more difficult to kind of get on the field and, and you pretty much, there's not a whole bunch of Ironman players. You're, you pretty much have one position that you specialize at. How, how much experience did you have in your high school career getting on the field? So in my high school career, I think, so we had five
1: teams. So we have a varsity team, two JV teams, and then two freshman teams. And then so I started, I went and started on the freshman team, my obviously my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, I was on JV, I was on the JVA team and I started there. And then I think like at the end of my sophomore year, so like we go on to playoffs and they move up, they try to move up a ton of like players just for depth in case like they blow someone out, they start throwing in the freshmen or freshmen and sophomores. But so they moved me and a few other people up. And we never we like I never touched the field. Um, Some people did. But then my junior year, I finally started and then I was kind of rotating the most part. And then I finally got the starting job my senior year. But then I uh, broke my ankle. So I never got to finish out. But then I did get to play in our state finals game because I got cleared the week before that.
0: Were you at nose guard like you were in college? Were
1: you kind of all over the D-line? I was at nose guard and then I was kind of our backup D end if someone got hurt, but no one ever got hurt. So I never had to play.
0: Yeah. For those of you who haven't watched Will play, he's surprisingly quick. Like he has the build of a nose guard, but I remember what running forties coming out and seeing the red hair flowing behind you, you running like under five second forties. It's pretty impressive to see what you were able to do. So not, hard to understand how you got to look at college but it is I'm interested to see how you went from pretty much central Texas to getting on the radar of the coaches out here in in Gunnison at Western Colorado how did that kind of come about when did Western start looking at you for college um I think like
1: I'm trying to think so my going into my senior year I kind of just looked at like what schools I wanted to go to and it was like I wanted to go probably somewhere like out of state, but probably somewhere where I go skiing. And so it was like, like I started hitting up, you know, big sky schools and then RMAC schools, and then a few other schools in that general area, you know, but when I got hurt, a lot of schools stopped talking to me. And then I think Western, like originally I was committed to a D3 school and that was Mary Hart and Baylor. And they were really good. They went to like, they won like three natties in the last four years i think at d3 but then i got offered by western like the day before signing day so i was like you know this is way cheaper and it's also division yeah. up so i'm gonna go here instead and, and also, you're right like, in the middle yeah. of like two very very nice ski slopes so, yeah yeah and, and so makes a little I never, more
0: sense.
1: yeah because i never took a, i never took a visit or anything so i just like I just kind of looked it up, looked at the area, you know, looked up a bunch of stuff about it, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go here.
0: <laughs> so I signed the paper and just went, and I was like, all right, who was the coach that reached out to you? Do you remember who was the initial recruiting guy? Because the one that recruited reached out to me initially was like gone. I had three different coaches that recruited me because they just kept firing the guy that was talking to me. So do you remember who was kind of reached out to you? It was
1: uh. I think uh, we reached out to them because I filled out their questionnaire, you know, and then mm. I sent them my junior film, some other stuff. And then I think it was Merkins was recruiting me. All right. And I don't
0: remember him. Was he, he a defensive coach? He was coach?
1: gone before he got there. I think he was an offensive coach. Wow. And then uh, then he left, and then I didn't hear from them for a while. And then I think, like, Coach Grohl and Coach Baines – uh, contacted me once, and then they called me, like, the day before signing day and offered me.
0: Was it, uh, what kind of advice were you getting from your parents or, like, people that you were trying to, was it your decision 100% or were you bouncing it off of other people where you might want to go? I think for
1: me, like, like as soon as they offered me, like, I was like, this is just so much cheaper. Like, I got to do this. And so, like, I talked to my parents and they were all for it um some people were a little back and forth and then I think I went and talked to a few coaches and then they were telling me that like you know it's a division up you're gonna get more money like and then uh actually my head coach was from the area Mm. like he was from Paonia oh shit yeah and he was like actually I'm like he he was like talking to me he's like really and then he, like, showed me the area just on, like, you know, Google Maps. he's like, yeah, I'm from here. And then he went and looked at the roster and stuff. He's like, yeah, man, like, this is a really great area. Like, um, And then he's like, you snowboard and stuff? I'm like, yeah, I do. And he's like, yeah, this is, this is the area you probably want to be in. Um, But, you know, they, they can't really tell you what to do. See, so they're just giving you their advice, you know. Yeah. So, like, ultimately, like, I was already – I was already deciding that I was going to go there. Like, it was just like, after that offer, it was just like, you know, me justifying the decision leading up to like signing day.
0: Were you ever considering maybe going somewhere as a, did you have any PWO offers or maybe like going to maybe a bigger school that would uh, maybe like a division one, a school that maybe didn't offer you, but you could get a walk on and, and possibly earn money that way.
1: I had a few uh,
0: preferred walk-ons,
1: but it's just like when you really look at it, if you have somewhere that really wants you, then you might as well go there, which is what was Mary Harden Baylor was to me. Mm-hmm. And so then if you have somewhere who wants you and then you're paying way less money, it's like you're going you're gonna to go there because they need you. And so yeah. that's why I went to Western. But I think I had I had a preferred walk-on at uh, University of Colorado Boulder actually, and that was way too expensive, so I can't, I couldn't afford that for sure. Yeah,
0: out-of-state tuition there is, is nuts, plus, like, good luck. I know finding housing in Gunnison off-campus was difficult right now with Boulder, like, Amazon's moving into Boulder, so good luck finding housing anywhere close to the campus. Yeah,
1: I remember I got, I got, like, a PWO, and then I looked up the tuition, I was like, yeah, this would be really cool, but, like, I can't afford this, (laughs) man, yeah, And it's it's nuts. It's nuts. For me, it was like I kind of thought it was almost a shot in the dark trying to get recruited from, you know, the giant schools. because I just didn't have a lot of film for my junior year. Mm -hmm. And then so what else I have? I think I had a preferred walk off from North Texas, but I can't I can't really remember. Yeah. Um, I think that that might have been the year after they changed coaching staff. So I think they were looking for players. And then Texas State, I think, gave me a preferred walk-on. Um, but that was probably the only preferred walk-on I kind of considered mm-hmm. because my dad was an alumni. and they give out a bunch of alumni scholarships and stuff like that? Um, but besides that, I had a walk-on offer from Midwestern State, and that's a D2 in Texas. And then mm-hmm. I had the offer from Western, and then I had uh, – D3 Mary Arden Baylor. And That was there it basically.
0: It's it's surprising cuz you know the the junior film is important. Did you go to camps or anything to try and get in front of coaches or was it how was the high school's kind of recruiting process did the coaches help you out and get get you in front of some coaches?
1: Um I didn't I don't think I really got a ton of help until like my senior year we had a guy who he had like a lot of connections and you know he would help us with our film and stuff. But it, it's kind of late when you're a senior in high school to try and do all that stuff. And I didn't really, I didn't really have like the, like, I think my jump between my junior year of like high school football to my senior year was just exponential. Because I wasn't very good my junior year. And then I gained not only a ton of strength, but I also lost weight. So that was weird. I think between my junior and senior year, I dropped like 20 pounds, but I gained like a ton of strength on my squat and my bench and everything else. So it was kind of just a massive jumping, you know, skill.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it probably ended up working out the the best way possible, especially looking now back at at the way things ended. Uh, But before we get into college playing in college, did you have like a major, what was the biggest change when you went from Cedar park, Texas to Gunnison, Colorado? What was the first thing you noticed?
1: Um, well, it was weird cuz I think I visited uh I definitely visited late April, I think. Yeah, I visited uh late April. That was my first visit, I believe. I think. No, it was it was around March cuz it was it was pretty cold. That was my first visit. And then in April it was way warmer, but I hadn't seen it when it was super cold, but like what was really weird was like our freshman year that was like the coldest Gunnison was the oldest
0: and most snow
1: five and a half years I had lived there. So that was, that was insane. Cause it was like one point it was like negative 40 and I'm like, I have it on, I have like pictures on my phone or on my Snapchat. And people were just like, dude, like, like where are you living? And it's like down in Texas, it's like a hundred where a park was a hundred percent humidity every day. And then it's like, I mean, it gets cold, but it's not you know negative it's, cold, and it's, yeah, not it's like dry. it's dry, snowing it, all the time, and it's not dry.
0: It's like so, yeah. It, it was just pretty different climate, man. When you got like, did you have to adjust to altitude and everything? Because you stayed when you got there the first year. Did you stay up during the all those all summers that you were there?
1: Um, I think I did
0: for the most part. Was that because Um, you needed to make sure you stayed adjusted to the altitude?
1: That was part of it. But one thing I did realize is as I was going there, like once you leave altitude, like you're like and then you come back, it's not as hard getting back into it as it is like your first time dealing with it. Because I remember my first time dealing with it, like I was running like 30, 40 yards behind people just because I was out of breath. And then, like, as you get used to it and used to it, it's like, oh, this, this is normal now. But, like, I think, uh, what was it, second summer? So, after my high school year, after my, like, you know, high school summer going into college, uh, I went up there for half a summer. And thank God I did, because adjusting the altitude was insane. And so, like, the next summer, I was there all summer, and then the next summer I was kind of in and out because my parents were moving from Texas to Colorado Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then uh, the next few summers after that I was there the whole time.
0: Yeah so you get there for fall camp in 2016 you and I same recruiting class you're also there with Lane who we we were talking about with your your training uh, before you know we we started recording the podcast. What was kind of what was one thing that you were nervous about at the playing at the next level? And what was something that you were like, what gave you confidence when you first got, got to campus?
1: Oh, uh, I think my strength helped me a lot. Cause I was always like, I was always like ready. Like, you did know, like,
0: did you know you were probably one of the strongest guys in the room from the first day?
1: No, probably not. Not until like, I really looked at the weight room board,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but like, I think, I think when it came down to it, like, like my power clean wasn't very strong, but my squat and bench work because like, I was always down, you know, go to the weight room, but I hated running. So I think running was more my weak point, but I don't know, like once I got into college weight room lifting, like it was way, I was getting way stronger, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, just for, for those who don't know, what did you end up having your, your all time maxes be when you were at Western for bench squat and clean? It's like 14, four plus for bench, I'm sure.
1: It was 1420 total. I think 1420. Yeah, I think so. So it was like four thirty something bench or 40, and then it was like 670 squat. And then my highest clean was 330. So yeah, I think, I think
0: that's right. I still tell stories about you. I remember watching you. It was, I think it was, you were squatting 650. And I still tell stories about that because we were – it was like the end of the maxing session. I was looking over. You had already done like three or four testing periods. You got under 650, and it was no pause at the bottom or anything. Were you just – was it – you talked about you kind of grew in strength your senior year. Was it just one day that you walked in and, and you realized, wow, I'm just like – naturally strong now
1: I, t- <laughs> I don't know I think you know what I think the big thing is is like you need to like once you really know like strength and then you start like doing the little things like your diet for example so like when we were on campus right we're all eating Sodexo that's not you know it's not the not the greatest yeah, thing the, that the, the
0: company did. that gave all of us food poisoning before one of our games
1: yeah right yeah so like like that's not the greatest thing to be eating if you want to gain strength. Cause I remember my first two years, I was struggling to gain strength because of that. Once I moved off campus, it was like, it was like Game on. it was like you're just, you're just, you're just putting on like strength, like pounds after pounds on each one of your lifts. Cause I remember uh one year I had like a 50 pound jump in my squat. And then I had like a like a almost 70 pound jump in my squat. Mm-hmm. Like you, like once you get your diet down, that's that's really where you start getting stronger.
0: Yeah, and you always had like being at that rack that you were. You always had really good guys around you to push you. Like working yeah, out that's, with that's Weber a, and and yeah, uh, Benegas. Awesome. I know was yeah, yeah. would put in a lot of work.
1: Yeah, so. so we had like Weber, we had Benegas, and then even even Rev was like he was fun to work out with because he was yeah. like you know he was usually pretty positive in the weight room.
0: Oh yeah, and, you know, the, the listeners know the listeners know Rev. He's been on the podcast a few times. So as Rev is on the podcast, that's how he is in the weight room. Also, he's just super strong. He's just he's just like you know, he
1: just he just comes in. I remember one day like me and Weber were benching. I don't remember what year this was. I think it was going into nineteen. He comes in. I think it was over the summer. He just goes, "I'm a problem," and that's all he says all day. Rev, the problem, go benching. Every single rep, he's like, problem, problem, (laughs) problem. And just me and Weber were dying the whole time. So he was always a good guy to be around with. Uh, You know, Weber and Benegas, they were always, you know, getting after it. So it's like you got those guys around you. You know, it's a a good group. You always go in the weight room and you're just like, all right, let's get after it today with these guys.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a huge thing, just having the right lifting partner. I remember the – I think I had one spring where I was with – caleb gaster and lane and it was me caleb and lane all in the same group and i think like uh, uh some somebody else was thrown in there but just the three of us all having the same like if you got three guys with the same mindset where we come in and we get to work that's all you really like people think there's some secret to success you have to be born with a lot of it getting a lot of the work done is like a huge step in that process yeah for sure so uh, you redshirt, were you disappointed that you redshirted your first year, or were you looking for that extra extra time to develop a little bit? Well, for me, it was like, you know, you want to go
1: in and play, but then it's like when Van Groll sat me down, he's like, hey, so like we're going to look at you for a few special teams. Maybe you redshirt, maybe you don't. And it's like, all right. And then like I went through it, and it was like kind of hard for me to like grasp a few things because I could just – I've never done it before. And then so eventually he was they were like, so, I mean, if you're not going to play that much, I don't want to re- like I want to shirt you because like you're not going to get a ton of playing time and the playing time you do get. It's not going to be very meaningful. And I was like, well, it's like a pretty good point because, you know, you when you're young, you, you look at it like, oh, man, like I'm redshirting, But like when you get older and then it's like, OK, well, like, you know, it was way better that I got tons and tons of playing time compared to like my first year you know just not playing that much or at all yeah you know, like I, I would have rather you know save that shirt for you know last year for example mm-hmm. so like i mean if i didn't redshirt, then i probably wouldn't have played this past season which i mean you know then then it's like you know who knows where your development would have gone
0: y- yeah i think uh the red shirting you were in a good position to redshirt too because austin yurko was the yeah. starting nose yeah. guard yeah, yeah he, he, was a,
1: code. he was really good. He was like a yeah, regional guy.
0: First – or fifth-year senior, just a guy like the toughest bastard. I got the privilege of blocking him every day during scout team that first year in 2016. And yeah, he was he was a, a beast. So, you you got to sit behind him a little bit, learn. But that – the lifting that you guys did is red shirts. I – because I was a part of the group that was red shirting, but they still traveled me because I needed a clip, clipboard bitch. Um, so I didn't get to lift with the red shirts and I have noticed it going into maxes that spring. Like you guys were all jumping numbers way high. And I had been doing in season lifts for that entire time. And like, I totally missed out. So I would say people get disappointed red shirting, but if you take advantage of the weight room, that red shirt year, it sets you up so far ahead in in your career. And I think that's partially why you were able to develop as fast as you did because you redshirted that first year and then from then on you were pretty much in the games gung-ho like a major part of the defense
1: yeah I think I mean it also got me you know because I, I was never really that good at school probably until my second year of college so I, it really helped me get
0: used it takes to it. everybody and a little, little usually, time to get used it, to it
1: <laughs> yeah so like for me at least it got me ready for you know any academic you know struggles that I could encounter because I think that first semester was just not a good academic semester for me I mean I didn't I didn't fail I didn't get any d's or f's you know but like it was a pretty low gpa but mm-hmm. then like the next semester I was at 3.0s from there on out so I think yeah. that helped me with college because who knows like you know if I'm traveling on the road and I'm a freshman like I don't know much about like how you know was
0: It was rough, especially because that was the year that we traveled South Dakota or we did California and then South Dakota in the bus. So I missed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, one week and then Thursday, Friday, the following week of my freshman year of college. So when I went in for finals, I, I went to the study group of finals and I was just sitting there like I don't remember a thing. I wasn't here. So, yeah, it was it's huge to have that time to develop. So um, when you do get the chance to play. Where, did you feel a little pressure to kind of come in and perform? Because we talked about you're taking over for a fifth year senior like Austin Yurko, or did you kind of feel like relieved that, you know, you weren't sitting anymore. You were actually going to be in the games and playing on, on Saturdays. I think like, you know, it's, you
1: kind of like, you go into that role and then it's like, I think I started the first few games and I was rotating and then I started starting again, then I rotated, but, um, you just don't really know the skill level that you're getting into. And I think that first year, you know, when we weren't good, we kind of like, we had a lot of inexperienced guys. So I don't, I think a lot of those guys just didn't understand what we were going to face. Yeah. You know, going into it.
0: Yeah. That was the rough one in one in 10 season. And then the following year we, we followed it up with a two and nine. And then 2019 was five and six. So in those, in those years, like that's eight wins in three seasons of football. I'm sure that you've never experienced something like that. I had never experienced something like that. How frustrating, like how? how what was the frustration level for you? Because you were on the defensive side. And it, in that time, the defense was actually what was carrying the team. And the reason why we had those eight wins was pretty much because the defense just held the other team to no point. So our anemic offense could get something done. What was the feeling like on the defensive side of the ball during that time?
1: Well, I think I mean if you look at it, there's a there was a huge difference between the five and six team versus the one and ten team, you know, because like in the one and ten team, we just were not getting anything done whatsoever out there. So I mean, and then you look at the the next team up, like the two and eight team, or was it two and nine? It was two and nine. I think two and nine. Yeah. So that then that team, like we played closed games, and then we sometimes we get killed, and then sometimes we we had two games where we won and then it's just like those first two seasons, it was like, you know, what's like, what's, what's the problem here, you know? And then it's like, I think like our defense was decent in 18. It was like, it was like bad in 17, if I'm being honest. And then, you know, in 19, I think the whole team kind of picked it up, but we were still missing like like something like there was some stuff there that was missing. Yeah, But um, I think when it came down to it, like it was kind of just like frustrating when things weren't going your way. And then like, obviously, like if you're you're a D tackler, defensive lineman, there's only so much you can do, you know, mm-hmm. like even if I go out and get like four sacks, you can still lose the game. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. You just got to you just got to do as much as you can regardless of whichever way the ball's going or what play it is or what's going on. Yeah. So yeah, you just got to kind of keep grinding. That's why like we did so well this this past year is because we had so many dudes who had just been there for a while.
0: That's true. I mean the the super senior class with the extra year of eligibility was probably a huge thing. I think I talked about it a lot on the top of the mountain during that season just the fact that there were a lot of guys that went through some some bad years, like some rough years. It's no fun when you win one game one season and two games the next. There's not a whole bunch of fun happening during football season. I, I agree with you. That five and six team was totally different. And I credit it, like that was the year we went on the road and beat Mesa in Grand Junction for the first time since 2001 on a last second field goal. Uh, there was a couple other teams that we had, like the first time we'd done this in however many years so that was kind of the year that we took to get all of the monkeys like the team took to get all the monkeys off their back and then the pandemic happened so when that coronavirus pandemic happened how quickly did you have a plan in place for what you were going to do and was there ever a time where you were like I guess I can finish college and and be done and, and see what else is out there for me but what was kind of the planning when that pandemic happened in the between 2019 and 2020?
1: I think, you know, like, we were preparing, so, you know, I think it it was like we went into off season, and then we had, uh, like, I think it was right before spring break, it was like, we were going to do our winter conditioning after spring break and then they canceled everything past spring break so no one really came back until like May, and so I didn't come back until May and I was working out in my parents' garage with barely any weight. And I was running at Chatfield high school down the street. And then, so like, so I, we didn't really think about, it. we didn't think the whole like season was going to get canceled. And then I think like around June it started rolling around cause we didn't have, we didn't have spring ball. We weren't allowed to have like, you know, more than 10 people in the weight room and stuff like that. And so like, once June rolled around, or not June, it was July, like late July, it was like, you know, people started wondering, like, hey, we're we gonna have a season. And I think that was because, like, none of the, this was before any of the big conferences canceled. So, for example, like, a bunch of the, like, all of, almost all of D3 had already canceled at this point, and then pretty much the whole Eastern I think, like, the whole eastern side of the country, like, every single D2 conference over there had pretty much canceled, and then, like, I think, so we were just wondering, and it it, it was, like, it was, like, dude, because I was, like, I remember, I remember what happened, like, what I was doing, and it was just, like, it was, like, a major, like, bummer, you know, it was just, like, you know, like, something bad happens, and you're just, like, oh, damn, like, this sucks, It's like, you know what I'm saying, like, I don't know how to put yeah. it, but like I was walking down going to work or like my summer job at the old miner, and mm-hmm. I just get a text and Bane's just like well guys season's canceled uh I'm sorry this happened all a bunch of other stuff and I was just like dude but like I didn't have I didn't I had like a in place probably like two or three weeks before mm-hmm. and like I knew like I wanted to come back because I feel like you know, I can't I can't just end it on that, you know? Like I wanted yeah. to come back. I wanted to see like what I was capable of, like what as a team we were going to be capable of.
0: Did you play and, in the game against Stephen F Austin or did you No, I did I
1: did. Yeah. I took that semester off. And mm-hmm. so I think only only like a two seniors played. But then a bunch of people were hurt who weren't seniors. I, I'm pretty sure if I'm not wrong. And then like I don't, I don't remember how many people opted out, but we had, like, almost the whole senior – like, pretty much the whole senior class ever, Ty, Leba, and Eli uh, mm-hmm. opted out. But, no, I didn't play in that game. I actually had to watch that game while I was working, and that was really – that was really not fun. So yeah. i sitting there. I'm just sitting there, you know, like I'm cooking at the Old Miner, and I'm watching this game on my phone, and it's like – You know, I mean, they were getting killed, but, like, I still wish I was out there. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. I mean, that was – there was a lot that probably – that game shouldn't have happened. Stephen F. Austin shouldn't have requested that game to happen if they did, and I don't think that the – I get why it was accepted and all of that, but it wasn't the right situation. So, yeah, that was – I remember I watched that uh, game.
1: It was rough. Because, like, you know, you go into the game and it was like, you know – a Western team with a lot of players opted out and then a lot of younger players having to step in. And then on top of that, they didn't even have like, they didn't have a spring ball. They didn't have a fall camp. They Stephen F. Austin
0: is a program that's decent most of the time.
1: Yeah. They had a, uh, they like, didn't, we didn't get to have a lot of like, you know, full team summer workouts at all Mm -hmm. pretty much. And so they went into it and Stephen F. Austin was like, halfway through their season they're in mid-season form and they're playing their westerns playing their first game against a team who actually last season was ranked and made fcs playoffs yeah
0: yeah it was a tough one to watch but then does that kind of get the fire burning because there's obviously something that happened between the 2019 close of the season and the beginning of the 2021 season where you have the the best record wise best season since the year 2000 for Western Colorado all happened between the ending of that 2019 season and the beginning of the 2021 season. What was the change? What was the catalyst that, what do you think kind of put the team on the right track and, and put everybody on, on the same page moving forward, that this was going to be a season, everybody was going to remember and you guys were going to make a run. Um, I think, you know, going into the next season, like we
1: had a lot of people returning with experience like we returned the whole offense, I'm pretty sure, except for I think Zach Manchester from 19. So we had the whole offense coming back, and then we had a healthy Josh coming back. He had like a full two years basically to work on his like what was wrong with him and stuff. And then because I think it was his knees that had always been bothering him. So he got a lot of time to work on that. So he came in pretty healthy. A lot of guys had time to work on whatever like they wanted to work on. And so, like, it all just came around. I think we had, like, a really experienced group, and then we built, like, a. there was a lot of, like, camaraderie on the team. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of people got along with each other. Like, I think for the most part, like, I hung out with not only a lot of defensive guys, but a lot of offensive guys as well, which, you know, usually that doesn't happen on, like, a football team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're just doing a lot more stuff together, just outside of football, doing a bunch of random, you know, stuff around the Valley. But, you know, going back to – the last question, uh, what my plan was going into, you know, the cancellation, I was like, you know, I told Baines, I was like, I'm going to take the semester off because I think what happened to my brother was, and he, when he was in college, he lost his eligibility because he played, I think, two games and they wouldn't give him the medical or something like that because he broke mm-hmm. his knee. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk possibly losing eligibility. And then on top of that, I was like, I had 15 credits. So I took 12 in the spring and I only took one class last semester.
0: Mm-hmm. So that
1: one class last semester was pretty nice. And then I think, yeah, so I worked at that fall. I just worked at the old minor and I did EMT classes online and that was basically all I did and then work out.
0: What was your degree in?
1: Uh it was business admin with emphasis in management and then it was a double with economics. Okay. So, but I think, I think going into that 21 season, you know, like a lot of things were falling together, you know, they were like coming together. Like I think that was probably the most experienced group that we could have built, you know,
0: probably since that 2016 team, I was, I was thinking about that. Like it would, it makes sense why, 2017 was as bad as it was because you graduate Aravi, you graduate Kyle Adkins, Austin Yurko, Holden Rexus, uh, Austin Eckler, Vince Grosso. Like those are six very, very important players on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, that team finally did come back. Honestly, I started noticing something a little bit different and it's silly, but like that pain cave page that you guys started on Instagram. Oh, man. When the pain cave came out, I was like, I mean, they're working, like, they're not just sitting around, they're they're doing something, and you could tell everybody was in there, they were having a good time, and you guys were pushing each other, and I started to see, like, I remember, you know, people that that were never at the workouts, they were getting into it, and, like, getting after it, so I think that you could definitely tell the culture of the team through that just, you know, fun little Instagram pages you guys started. We got, we
1: kind of started that, like, a little bit as a joke, because, like, You know, it was that was probably the most fun I had working out was in the in the pain cave because it was just it was just a bunch of random equipment. Where was that? By the way, it was in it was in Connor Desch's garage. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, I remember, like, for example, like Drew would come over, and me and like a few other people, we we'd go because the high school's across the street from his house, and we'd go and push the for a finisher, we'd go and push a car through the parking lot and I remember like some days like because it's pandemic everything's closed we're all bored so like I remember one day like I was working out there for five hours just because I was bored like we were I remember one time I showed up and like Connor James and Jack Anderson were working out and by the time I left like they were still working out and I was there for like four hours that different day yeah so like we had we had a ton of people there
0: yeah it looked like it started like kind of as a joke, but the more longer it went on, the more people were showing up and the more yeah. you guys were like, you know, there's there's a difference about this mountaineer team. It's not the mountaineers that were getting blown out by 35, 40 points a game. These are guys that are gonna come in. I, I said going into it, I think the preseason ranking, do you remember what the preseason ranking was? Was like seven or I think it was around six or seven. Like I not. Know what- not necessarily oh middle, maybe like a little bit lower than middle. But I, I felt something different about the team just through that Instagram page.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we didn't have a ton of people up in Gunnison, but we were definitely getting after it. Mm-hmm. And then even like, like I think uh, throughout that the rest of the year, like me and whoever else, because we couldn't use the student gym. Because we'd have to pay, you know, ridiculous amounts of money to get in there, but we also couldn't use the athletics gym because we weren't technically in the school still. Mm-hmm. So we would just work out there, yep. which it, it was—it was fun too, because like you know, it's it's basically like your own little private gym.
0: Yeah, and uh, so we you come back for that season in twenty one, uh, you go three and zero right off the bat. There's some question, you know, it, it was three teams that game against Shadron was a big statement, but then it was kind of two teams that you probably should have beaten in Adams and uh, you get to week four and that's the game against Colorado Mines. And I know like that was the team for 2018 and 2019 that kind of put the most embarrassing beating on, on us. So going into that game, knowing that it was two undefeated teams, what was the, the mindset when you guys were going to golden for that, that trip? Um I think
1: I think for us we knew there was a lot at stake because we weren't even ranked and I think they were ranked like top six or something like that. Yeah. So it was like for me, it was like we didn't know where we stood because you know we're three. I think we're three and oh or were we four and oh. You guys that was week four. So you were three and I think we were four and oh because we came off Fort Lewis, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep, you're right. So like I mean, we we played like, you know, 0 and eleven Fort Lewis and then one in ten. I think before that it was one in ten Adams and one in ten Western New Mexico and then Shadron. And you know, I think even in that Shadron game, like I felt it at least. I think a lot of people hadn't played in a game in a while. Like they like I felt rusty, like I did mm-hmm. not feel like myself. And I think once I got into Western New Mexico and Adams, that's when I started to get more loose, you know. That's when I started really getting loose because I was like, all right, we're back in this. Like, this is like, okay, we're back playing football. Like, this is what I was coming back for, you know.
0: Yeah, and then you get the nice tune-up against Fort Lewis before. Because everybody just took that Fort Lewis week as a a nice tune-up game, a padding to stats day. Because for me, I think,
1: you know, we hadn't been tested yet. Yeah. So, like, that Mines game – like, I knew there was going to be tons of people there. It was a sold out crowd. It was probably like almost one and a half times more than what they said the attendance was because there was a ton of people there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, most on I've TV
0: seen, as well. It was on yeah, local TV.
1: Most I've seen at a Mines game in any of the Mines games I've played in or have watched because I used to go to some of their playoff games and, you know, that was definitely the most I've seen there. But, um, it was like a lot of, it was a lot of pressure, you know, but it was like at the same time, like I, I felt ready, like, you know, you got to make sure you're ready for the game. So I made sure like, you know, watch as much film as possible, you know, take practice seriously, pay attention, like make sure that you're ready. So when you go out there, like you feel comfortable, but, you know, obviously a ton of pressure because, you know, you have RMAC championship on the line, you have a possible ranking on the line now you're four and O so you also have a playoff, uh appearance on the line mm-hmm. so there there was a lot at stake and you're also playing at their place and you know you don't know what their offseason was like you don't know what their record you don't know like what they did in the offseason they don't like I mean then again they don't know what we did so yeah. aside from that Stephen F Austin game so there was a lot of like question marks out there but then like once we started getting out there it was you know started getting a little comfortable because it was a most competitive game I played in all of college, at least.
0: Do you think that, or, or were you even aware, did you care what they kind of thought of you guys? Did you think they maybe over- underestimated you and then got surprised? Or, or was it truly just the teams were that evenly matched that it went into overtime and, you know, maybe a couple questionable calls was, was really the only deciding factor of the game?
1: I think they probably did underestimate us. Cause if you really look at their, their playoff run, like they did really well. Yeah. But then again, you know, as like – as like how I played football, you know, you take everyone the same amount of seriousness going into it. Mm -hmm. Because you never know what could happen out there. But I think for them, like, it definitely came as, you know, I don't know how – what was going – I'm not in their program, so I can't tell you what they were thinking. But Mm -hmm. it definitely seemed like, you know, they weren't – I mean, from – If you look at a fan perspective, everyone's probably thinking that Mines is going to run us over. Yep. Just looking at, you know, strength of schedule prior. But I mean, you never know what happens when you go out there. So
0: I will say I talked to one of my buddies that I played youth football with was on Mines and he was he was their middle linebacker courts for Um, for their defense. I was talking to him after it was the day after they lost to Mesa. And he goes, I have no clue how we lost to those guys because Western was twice the team that Colorado Mesa was, even though that we ended up beating Western. So you guys earned their respect. However they felt before that game, I can tell you for a fact that you guys earned their respect and they considered you probably up until the playoffs, their most difficult opponent that they had all season. Yeah. Cause I mean,
1: you never really know how to gauge someone, you know? Yeah. Cause you know, people could be hurt, people could be banged up and then you know, maybe they couldn't sleep the night before. There's, there's so many variables in you know football, because mm-hmm. you can look at you know all the statistics you want, but then like that's why you have like upsets in sports. You know, it's just, it's kind of it's kind of wild to think about. Yeah, because uh, I think they lost to Mesa, and I was not expecting that at all. If I'm being yeah, honest. and
0: then I thought Mesa was going to give you guys a game, and you guys went out and pounded on on Mesa, so it truly was like anything any small slight difference in that day that you guys played Colorado Mines the outcome of that game probably shifts three or four different ways that's how razor thin the margin of error was
1: yeah it was uh that was a really close one for sure um you know there is there is a couple few like you know points in the game where it's like if that didn't happen we would have lost but if that did happen we would have won you know so it's like Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you have a close game like that, that's just how it is. That's just how all football games are when they're that close.
0: How fulfilling was it after that Colorado State Pueblo game, the CSU Pueblo game? You guys win. You guys know that you at least get a share of the conference title. We talked about the 2017 to 2019 seasons. After going through all of that, the COVID shutdown, can you explain, do you have any words to kind of explain how you felt after winning that share of the RMAC title?
1: Um, I mean, when I think, you know, the point where we clinched the game, basically, because I remember like I was on the punt unit and I go block, I block the guy. I look around, I look back and I see Kyle Yonker on the ground with a flag over his head flying in the air. And I just started laughing. (laughs) I go up to Kyle and I'm like, good job, Kyle. And I'm like, we just won the championship, man. (laughs) And then I'm like, I just started like laughing and I'm like, you know, it's like one of those moments where it's like, it's like, you know, you have those perfect moments where it's everything came together. And, you know, it's like those six years of, you know, all the bad times, all the good times, and they all pile into that one moment. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, you know, just thinking about the big thing for me was thinking about just how far we had come from where we were in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was the craziest part for me you know just seeing the growth of not only myself but every single other teammate that I had up to that point and how we got there so i think yeah. that was just part of me was just thinking about how much growth that every single person had to go through in order to get to that point
0: it probably would have wouldn't have felt as sweet if you didn't have to go through those uh, those seasons where you know things never seemed to go the right way so I, i'm sure that that was I was very proud just as an alumni and as a guy who's played with, I love being able to say that you won a conference title, that Lane won a conference title. These guys that I've played with and have been around that I knew, like, you know, even even uh, the offensive line guys, I was super pumped for them too. Just I, I've been there with you guys right next to you guys, know the work that you've put in and, you know, it didn't it wasn't meant to happen while I was there, but I'm damn glad that it was it, it happened for guys that I, I put in the work with. So it was awesome being able to see you guys, you know, win that championship and go on and play in the playoffs, which I'm sure was a, a hell of an experience in and of itself.
1: Yeah, it was like, you know, you you put in so much work and it's just like the best part about it is really seeing it all come to fruition, you know. That that's what that's what you know, sports and you know, life in general is all about.
0: Definitely. So before we're we're gonna get to rapid fire questions, that's how we normally end interviews on on this podcast. But before we get to that, kind of talk about your strategy moving forward. You're looking to get a shot at the league. I've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, and you're you're going through some training right now with some. Uh, teammates from college as well as some foes from college and Trevor Filio Lane Ferris at, at Landau. So how's that been going for you? Um, I think,
1: you know, it's been going pretty well. It's definitely a different type of training. Like, you know, you're not, you're not really practicing for a football game. It's more preparing for the individual pro day, you know, like people put in a ton of like, you see, these people drop these just insane numbers on their 40 or whatever drill it is. And, you know, it's not like some of them didn't just hop up there and just do that that day. Like they, they've been practicing that forever. So that's basically what it is, but you know, like practicing with, or I mean uh, training with like uh, there's a few Pueblo guys there. Uh, there's one Fort Lewis kid there, Dylan Holt. And then. Um, I think that's it from our conference actually.
0: There's no mace or Minds guys there. But How'd you get hooked up training there. What was kind of what was that process like? Um, Coach Baines
1: recommended them to me. And then so did uh, Van Grohl, a few other people. And it was mainly because Austin worked out there. And so, you know, but working out with uh Trevor and all them, you know, yeah, you you had to play against those guys, but like I don't ever got to play against them anymore. So it's like, you know, it's it's fun just you know, being around them, you know they're good guys. Like I like all of them for sure. They're cool. Especially Trevor. He's a pretty cool guy. Cause yeah. I, I do, I do a lot of drills with him too because he's an edge guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I went to high school with Trev. Actually, we won state championship back in uh, 2015 before he went on to Pueblo and I, I went out to Western. So Trev's a, a great training partner, partner to have too. I remember him in the weight room yeah. and he was one of those, one of the first guys that I was able to look at and just go, i i wasn't gifted like he was he's just naturally that strong and big and he's got a hell of a work ethic so uh yeah how how are things going with the training you feel yourself getting more prepared do you think or is it still a little bit early to to tell um if i had to do my
1: pro day right now i would say like i do i do all right but i wouldn't say like i'd be okay with those numbers you know what i'm saying So it's all about just getting better every single day. And so I think I'm about like two, three weeks out. I think I'm about three weeks out. So I still got like a ton of time to work with.
0: Yeah. Uh, Where are you you doing your pro day at?
1: uh, Mine's going to be at Pueblo. At Pueblo. Nice.
0: That'll be good because, you know, sometimes the small school guys get overlooked when they go to different schools, but at least that's the same division in, in the same conference. So that'll be a, a good venue and I'm, I'm pumped for you guys. That's going to be awesome. From what I know, there's a, there's going
1: to be a lot of RMAC guys there. Good. From what I know. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's what, it's what's needed for the conferences like that. That's what Dion's trying to do at, at the HBCUs too, is just getting like focus on that conference and those players. Uh, Cause there's, you know, there's a lot of guys that should get a get at least a look or a chance at the next level. Whether that be, you know, there's a ton of different leagues that you can play in now. So it should be, I'm, I'm looking forward to you guys running running through that. That'll be a lot of fun. So uh, are you ready for rapid fire questions to, to wrap this thing up? I've taken up enough of your time, I think. Uh, sure.
1: How does this really work?
0: Uh, I'll just give you a, a question and you give me the, the first answer that you can think of off the top of your head. Gotcha. All right. Uh, best restaurant in Gunnison?
1: Ooh. Can you specify
0: breakfast or dinner or what? All right, we'll go uh, best breakfast spot because uh, I know I probably there's a few good, really good breakfast spots, and then we'll go uh, best uh, best uh, best place best place for like a dinner. So breakfast and then dinner.
1: Oh, dinner.
0: I'll start with dinner. I'll
1: All probably right. go with the old miner just because I work there, and then it's, uh, it's a good choice. And then I'll say uh, it's probably just a tie between the dub and backcountry.
0: I was going to say, are you a dub guy or are you a backcountry guy? Because I was a dub guy. Backcountry, I heard a lot about, but I, I've never actually, you know. Well, dude, I was like
1: a – I'm definitely, you know, I go to the dub, but then I'll go to backcountry. Mm. It usually just depends. Like, if I'm by myself, I'll go to the dub. But then if I'm with people and they go to the backcountry, I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this is good. You're getting two different – it's kind of, you know, one is different. One's more like, you know, the dub is more of a country style place. Yeah. And then I think backcountry is just like, it's got a little bit different flavors to it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think it just Uh, depends what mood you're in.
0: Probably. That's my thing. Probably. Uh, Favorite road trip destinations. That could be like where, when you guys stopped at the, the monuments in South Dakota, or, you know, we've done a lot of road trips where we had multiple stops, and like stayed in different hotels and you kind of figure out where you like to stay. So favorite road trip destination.
1: My favorite road trip was definitely to South Dakota, South Dakota. Yeah. Whichever one. Cause it's like the same trip basically.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Probably uh my favorite road trip was black Hills. 19. There you go.
0: Was and that when you guys went to the, the uh, Mount Rushmore?
1: Yeah. But we also went last year. So it was like, I'd say last year was fun. But we did have a bus breakdown at one point, so I would say
0: 19 was better. There you go. Uh, who was your road dog? Who would you sit next to on the bus? Who would you room with on the road? I didn't really sit next to anyone. I had my own seat. But oh, you were that guy, huh? Yeah, I was that guy, especially
1: yeah. my last two years. <laughs> um, but when it came to the roommates, I had my freshman and sophomore year it was Benegas. And then my last two years, it was Jalen. Okay, Uh, yeah.
0: Who who, did you have a preference? Did you just were Were they good roommates? Did you enjoy your? your Oh, they were pretty. They were pretty. They were pretty pretty good roommates. All right, uh, last one. Favorite opposing venue that you've played at?
1: Oh, it was probably Mines last year, man. Yeah,
0: Uh, it seemed like it was a really fun atmosphere. That was one of the
1: best games I've played in probably all of college, besides Mesa. I'd say yeah. I'd say, you know, Mesa 19 was probably the best. Yeah. Actually. It's probably a tie between Mesa 19 and 21 nines.
0: Rushing that field of uh, Mesa 19 was something. That was that was crazy. Especially because like nobody was sure that kick was going in. <laughs> that thing was yeah. tipped at the line of scrimmage and it just sneaked over the crossbar. And you're like, oh
1: shit. Yeah, that
0: was. I was crazy.
1: Cause I didn't know like the time I'd ran out and everyone rushed to the field and I kind of just stopped and I'm like, we're going to get penalty for this. And then I was like, Oh, the game's over. <laughs> I yeah. just started. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, Will, I can't thank you enough for uh, giving up some of your time and, and jumping on for a quick interview. Hopefully uh, you, you get to get back and get training for that pro day that you have coming up in a few weeks. But before we go, you got to, You want to give out a page, social media page, or anything like that for people to keep an eye on you uh, moving forward?
1: I mean, all of my ads are just at Will Idle. So you you can find me anywhere on those.
0: I'll put those in the description of the episode below. Be sure to keep on the lookout if you're listening for Will moving forward. I'm sure we're going to get some kind of a look in a professional league for Will uh, and that pro day coming up also. But once again, thank you for coming on. Uh, you were the second most difficult nose guard that I've had to block in my time at Western behind Jericho. And that was only because he, he was 23 when I was 18. So uh, really proud of what you were able to accomplish. And I can't wait to see what you're able to do moving forward. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, Jimmy. See you. See you. This is the blues I'm playing. Yes, it's a final thing.
1: When the night is cold and lonely
0: This is a dollar bell beat
1: Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them pipes and I made it to heaven Tolling them pencils and serving them edits That was exciting to me